Somebody read in Malayalam also, please. Amen. 
Father, we thank you. We praise you this morning for your majestic presence. We are at your feet. Talk to us, Lord. Deal with our lives. Deal with our hearts. Minister to our hearts. Holy Spirit, we pray that you will touch each and every one of us. Transform us, Lord. Give us a true perspective about our God. Give us a true glimpse of our God. Hallelujah. We thank you and in the name of Jesus we pray. Please be seated. I've taken for today's message the topic, God's stolen identity. God's stolen identity. I thank the choir this morning for singing those three beautiful songs. And did anybody notice all those three songs were about God. The majesty of God. The glory of God. It was not about something he has, we have received or anything. And it's not just a thanksgiving. It was the majesty of God that was oh, being portrayed in those songs. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God's stolen identity. Everybody, I want you to watch, look at the, your watch right now. For the last time. All right. Now, no more looking at the watch because I am not the reason if you are going home late today. Identity theft is a wild and serious crime sweeping across the world now. A thief steals someone's social security number and other identifying factors, personal information, and misrepresents that person and makes purchases and transactions in that person's name. It is said that in one in four Americans have already gone through this theft, have already been subject to this theft. I read about this woman last week in Chicago who got a pot, potted plant and a thank you letter from a local Mercedes dealership for the three cars that she has purchased a week before that. The truth of the matter is that this lady has never seen that uh, dealership and she has never made a purchase. Somebody has stolen her identity and has gone to that dealership and has purchased those three vehicles in her name. I personally was subject to this identity theft a few years ago. Susan and I went to Chicago for a conference. There's a medical conference and she accompanied me. We made some uh, purchases and all there. We came back and that evening I got a call from the bank. They said that somebody had tried to purchase a $7,000 electronic purchase and a $9,000 yeah, this electronic purchase was from Nebraska and a $9,000 cruise purchase from California, and another $6,000 purchase from another state. All on the same day, few hours apart. And the bank got suspicious, and they called me, and obviously they canceled uh, me from being responsible for that. But obviously I had to go through a process to clear my name for, from that, uh, that uh, error. It is so distressing when someone steals your identity. You know, since the time is really at a premium, I want to go through just my scripted message today. It is so distressing when someone steals your identity. 
it's heartbreaking but who would have thought that somebody would stole, steal the identity of god who would dare to take his name and use it to represent something that god is not people do that preachers do that and today's society does that from many pulpits preachers are trying to steal god's identity by misrepresenting him to their audience some try to steal his identity by calling him a prosperity god i don't want to dwell on that i'm just going to just mention it and pass others make god a universalist that all paths lead to that same god that all gods are the same and it doesn't matter who you worship it finally will reach the same others made make god a god of grace alone sin all you want grace will abound all sin is acceptable to this god and the pharisees during the time of jesus portrayed jesus portrayed a legalistic picture of god who imposed the burden of the law in order to please himself a god who would not tolerate a lawbreaker thus the identity of god is being twisted and a whole tsunami of such fraudulent teachings are rampant in the church and in the society today please come with me closely because i won't be repeating today social media gives god all kinds of representations too the unfortunate thing is that each of us want to promote a god that serves us rather than a god whom we want to serve a god that fit our budget our style and our fashion today i want to talk to you about the true identity of god based on the holy scriptures and by the power of the holy spirit in exodus 34 we just read god is announcing his identity to moses the lord the lord the compassionate and gracious god slow to anger abounding in love and faithfulness maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness rebellion and sin yet yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished he punishes the children and their children for the sins of the fathers to the third and fourth generation moses climbs the mount sinai to encounter god god describes himself to moses we should not preach what is merely popular or what draws the crowd all the time we should preach what pleases god and he is pleased when we preach the true nature of god Moses asked God to reveal his glory and God responds by giving him a description of himself the lord look at that verse starting the lord the lord lord in capital god starts out by mentioning his name yahweh yahweh el he says i am he that i am moses had been encountering this god since chapter 3 in chapter 3 the lord has uh, presented himself uh, portrayed himself to moses saying that i am he 
that I am, the great I am. Which means, Moses, I am the one who was in your past. I am the one who, are, who is in your present. And I am the one who will be in your future. Everything else changes. But I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. When you walk with God, every now and then, God gives you a newer glimpse of himself. God has not changed. We change. So every now and then, we need to get a newer revelation of God. What does God say about himself? What does he say? The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious. God is compassionate and God is gracious. Number one, he is a compassionate and gracious God. You know, if you and I are asked to talk to somebody about ourselves, give me your biodata, give me your qualifications. We won't start by saying that our negative or not so appealing things. We start out by saying that how big we are, how great, you know. We all have made our resumes and, you know, it's impressive. When you look at it, oh, wow. That's why God doesn't need that. You know, when you ask God, who are you, God? You would expect him to say, I am the omnipotent. I am the omnipresent. I am the omniscient. I am the immutable God. Isn't it true? It is very true. But that is not what he presented himself to Moses as. You know why? God's omnipresence and God's omniscience and God's, God's omnipotence and God's immutability as worthless to Moses as if he does not see a God who is gracious and compassionate. It is his grace and love and compassion towards us that has made us see the omniscience and the omnipresence and the omnipotence of God. It is meaningless to us if we don't see the love and the grace and the compassion of God. God has nothing to prove. He says, I'm a compassionate and gracious God, Moses. God is, you know the word compassionate comes from the Hebrew word which is equal to womb, uterus. It refers to the maternal form of compassion to the baby. It probably can be expanded also to mean the kind of compassion a father or a mother has towards their child. God says, when you think of me, I want you to think of me as that person, as that God who is filled with compassion because compassion is my attribute. Like the mother who feeds the baby when she herself has not had a meal for the last two days. Like the mother or father who puts their child to sleep cradling him or her even when they have not slept for hours in a stretch. When you think of me Think of a God who is compassionate towards you. God cares about us. God cares about you. And God cares about me. Moses needed to hear this. 
Many in here, I know, need to hear that we serve a God who cares for us. Hallelujah. We have a God who cares for us. But this verse says that he is not only caring, he is not only compassionate, but he is gracious also. You know what that means? That means this God is caring for you even when you don't deserve to be cared for. Even when you don't deserve to be cared for, our God is gracious to care for you. Hallelujah. When he gets nothing out of this relationship, he cares. When you are a wild sinner, he cares. When you are his enemy, he is caring for you. When you are a sinner, he cares for you. Hallelujah. Even when you can't repay a thing from you, he cares for you. He has no ulterior motive when he is compassionate towards you. Hallelujah. Because it's in God's nature to care. Have you ever tasted the compassion and the grace of God? Moses was a prime example of God's compassion because he was doomed to die at birth. But it was his compassionate, gracious compassion that brought Moses to the age of 80 years. Hallelujah. The caring hands of God came down upon him from his very infancy to that moment when he was presenting himself as the great I am. The people of Israel were going through terrible times. Slavery, suffering and pains. They cried out to God. The Bible says that God heard their cries. He saw their affliction. Can you think about your own life and see the compassionate God coming down for you? Have you ever seen him coming down? In your trials, in your pains, in your afflictions, in your sickness, in your difficult situations when you are jammed between a hard and a rock place. Hallelujah. Have you ever experienced the compassion of God? Yes. The songwriter Sevilla Martin, my brother Tam sang that song last week. But more, than a, more than a century ago, she sang, his eyes on the sparrows. I know he watches me. His eye is on the sparrow. I know he watches me. You know, the Bible says that a sparrow can be bought for one sparrow for one penny and three sparrows for two pennies. So you get a bonus extra when you buy two. You get three for the price of two. You know, God cares for that extra one. That extra one that man did not care for. The man did not even have a number on. God cares. God has a number on that. Hallelujah. Oh, how much more. How much more God cares for you and me. How much more you and me. His blood-bought children. Hallelujah. Yes. Israel. Church of God. Who is your God? Yeah, there is a lot of things, there are a lot of things twisted and said about this God. But remember, your God is a compassionate and gracious God. What, is, what else? What else? Don't change that, don't flip that, uh, that, that, that page. 
No, no, keep reading, sister, from the beginning. The compassionate and gracious. Huh. Huh. Okay. Uh, it means loving and faithful. Another translation says loving and faithful. God is compassionate and gracious. At the same time, this God is also loving and faithful. Moses, I am loving and faithful. God is talking about his loving kindness and his faithfulness. The Hebrew word used there is hazard. Hazard is the covenant love. Moses, I have made a covenant with my people. They have broken that covenant again and again. But my love and my, uh, my, my dealing with them does not depend on them. It depends on me. Hallelujah. This is my covenant love. The unfailing love. The loyal love that God has towards his people. Hallelujah. Glory. We can trust our God. That is why we can trust God. Okay. We can always depend on him. God says my commitment to you will never ever fail. In fact, God announces his commitment right after. You know, you read Exodus chapter 32. We read, we read that Israel has made a golden calf in chapter 32. And they have already started worshipping an idol. They have already erected other gods in their hearts. But in 34, he says, it doesn't matter what you do. I am a faithful God. I keep my covenant with you. Hallelujah. Glory, glory. We live in a world of broken promises, lies and betrayals, failing marriages, divorces, and there's no loyalty. Our text also says that God loves us through a thousand generations. Isn't it saying that? He shows his mercy a thousand generations. None of us will be here for a thousand generations. It is not even a thousand generations since the beginning of humanity. But our God is a God who is merciful for a thousand. You know what that means? It's eternity. I am forever. I am forever. Moses. People come, people go, but I go on forever. Hallelujah. I am your eternal God. Hallelujah. Even the best and the most beautiful marriages fail or stop when one party dies. The covenant relationship there also ends there. But only God's covenant with his people goes beyond the veil of death into eternity. Hallelujah. God lasts forever. Through our health problems, God is there. Through our family problems, God is there. Our job problems and financial problems, God is there. Our legal issues, God is there. Through the recession, God is there. Through the Democratic president, God is there. And now through the Republican president, God is there. Hallelujah. God is forever. God outlasts all this. He is forever. His love and faithfulness towards us never ends. 
He alone can be faithful. Because he alone is eternal. Oh God, Moses sings in Psalms 90. Oh God, thou hast been our dwelling place through all generations. I have not seen all those generations. But I know for, for a fact that you are our, our dwelling place through generations. Jesus Christ is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. And our God is committed for eternity towards us. Hallelujah. Yes, God is loving and faithful. And finally, it says, God is forgiving and just. I am forgiving and I am a just God. He says his forgiveness. He forgives wickedness. He forgives rebellion. And he forgives sin. Each of these three words describe how awful we are. He says these three words for a description of our terrible plight, our pathetic plight. Our totally depraved state. Hallelujah. Glory. We broke our relationship with God. We rebelled against God. We disobeyed God. But God forgave us. In February of 93, a young mother Mary lost her 16-year-old boy when he was killed by another young boy. She was so grieved that she had difficulty dealing with life. The killer was in prison for a long time. Finally, when the young man was about to be released, she decided to visit this boy in prison. She talked to him, shared her story. She said, you don't know me, and I don't know you. But I need to forgive you for me to lead my life from now on. She began to build up a relationship with that young man. He later said, I have a hard time forgiving myself. But this woman was like a mother to me. She came and ministered to me. He was finally released 17 years after 17 years in prison. This woman arranged for him to live in her neighborhood. They now live next door to each other. She said, I had to learn how to forgive him. Let me tell you a better story. It's the forgiveness of God. We were his enemies, but he loved us. He forgave us. He forgave us. He sent his only son to die for us. And he didn't just make arrangements for us to live in his neighborhood. You know what he did? He invited us and took us into his own home. That is the love of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We are in his house because of what God has done for us through his son. He has lifted the burden of sin from our lives. Oh, the power of God's forgiveness. Our scripture today says that the guilty will not go unpunished. Did you see that? It says he's a forgiving God. He's a gracious God. He's a compassionate God. He's a long-suffering God. But he says the guilty will not go unpunished. Seems like a contradiction. He says he forgives. 
He says he pardons. Then he immediately says he is going to punish. Doesn't that make sense? Does it make sense? How can we he do that? Forgive those forgiveness to those who repent. Forgiveness to those who acknowledge their sin. Unforgiveness to those who accept the Lord, the only way of salvation as their Lord and Savior. And he will punish those who reject his way of salvation. Those who reject Jesus will be punished. The only way of salvation, Jesus, hallelujah. God will not pass anybody, but God, God will not let anybody slip in either. This text also, I told you not to flip pages. Because I am just standing on those. I don't have room to go anywhere else. This text also says that God is slow to anger. In other words, he is slow to punish us. He is not in a rush to cut us off. But if we refuse to repent, God will punish us. And the punishment will not be only affecting us. It will affect our generations too. Sin has consequences. It impacts our families. It trickles down into our children. God's blessings are also generational. It can be passed from generation to generation. But the consequences, the effects, the, the influence of sin are also generational. Can you reflect on God who forgave you? How he has lifted the burden of you? When this heavy conviction fell on my heart, I had only one choice but to go down on my knees and ask for forgiveness. Hallelujah. About my own heart, I was able to be seeing. And my unwillingness to forgive where he has forgiven me. Hallelujah. How can I not forgive that offense against someone who has offended me when God has forgiven me so much? It's the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit asking you, to forgive this morning. Can you think of that person you need to forgive? Please do not wait. It is God who is asking you to do that. What did Moses do when he heard about this God? He did not hear about the majesty of God. He did not hear about anything that was so magnanimous. But when he heard these words from God, what did Moses do? What did Moses do? He fell on his knees and started worshipping this God. Hallelujah. The true identity of God will make you worship him. Make you fall prostrate and prostrate and start, start worshipping him. Do you know who you are worshipping this morning? Who is your God? What is the nature of your God? When you come to the presence of the true God, you will stop talking and you will start worshipping. When your heart is filled with the conviction that you are in the presence of God, you will start to worship. You don't need somebody to ask him or ask you or prompt you to do that. When someone's identity, I'm going to close in the next few minutes. When someone's identity is stolen, you know what you have to do? You have to reclaim it. Otherwise, you're going to be in trouble. Before you subscribe to LifeLock, you can see that advertisement all over. Before you do that, you have to clean the slates. 
because somebody had misrepresented you. It's a process. You need to go down to the police station and file a report that somebody had did it, done it. You must do it yourself. You can do it over the phone. You can do it online. You can ask the policeman to come to your house. You can do, send it by mail. You have to present yourself before the authorities with the proof of identity. This is Jolly Matthew and that person is not Jolly Matthew. Your true identity. For that you have to bring your passport or visa or whatever, picture IDs, your driver's license, whatever. You have to show them you are this person. Because somebody else claims that he is me. 2,000 years ago, God did just that. He was being misrepresented in the world. His identity was stolen. People were portraying God as this and that. God wanted to show that he's a compassionate and forgiving God. A gracious God. A loving God. And a just God. He could not send a prophet. Like I could not go to, I couldn't send Susan for that. He could not send a priest for that, saying that he will take care of it. He could not even send an angel to represent him. You know what he did? Hallelujah. God had to come himself. God had to come himself to prove who he is. Hallelujah. In order to show that he is loving and compassionate. Forgiving and just God. That he was the great I am. The great I am put on the robe of human flesh. And he came down through 42 generations of humanity. And was born as, the, as a child to a virgin. Was born in Bethlehem. He did miracles after miracles. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He was the rose of Sharon. He was the lily of the valley. He was the bright and the morning star. But they could not take him. So he was beaten and tortured by the same humans that stole his identity. They rejected the real God because they were used only to the fraudulent and the counterfeit. They could not accept the one who came to represent heaven. So they caught him, beat him up like a stray dog in the streets of Jerusalem. Hallelujah. His body was cut open by with channels. And blood was gushing through them. They cut his head with a crown of thorns. The one who came to show the true identity of God. They caught and they thought they destroyed him. The, fraud, the fraudulent could not stand the sight of the real and the true. But on the third day, he said... It is time for me now to show who I am, to show my true identity, that I am God. 
and he broke open the tomb and he came out with all power and all glory and all majesty and that's my jesus he is my god he is my savior he is my king and he is our master this conviction is what makes you worship him today this is the conviction that makes you wonder who you are worshiping today this is the conviction that makes you neglect everything else as inferior this god is real bosses church of god he is the true god this is the true god i know it's not a practical message but this is a message about my god this is about a message about my god who do you worship this morning beginning of the year 2017 i want to challenge you my dear brothers and sisters let this be your god worship him fall prostrate before him adore him give him your everything there is nothing that he cannot do for you God bless you.